to the latest episode of Harmonious World. This is another interesting conversation because I'm going to be talking to Dermot Rogers, who is the producer of a reissue of guitarist Louis Stewart's amazing milestone and solo album out on his own. Out on His Own contains three previously unreleased tracks along with a 16-page booklet and several previously unseen photographs. Louis Stewart was a virtuoso guitarist. These are incredible flights of genius playing. It was recorded in uh, Bray, just south of Dublin. Stewart played actually with Ronnie Scott's band in London and mixed his time between London and playing sort of clubs and bars in Dublin. What you're listening to now is Blue Boss at the Kenny Doran track. Louis Stewart died in 2016 and this album out on his own stands as a sort of personal record of, of his greatness as a guitarist so I'm looking forward to speaking to executive producer Dermot Rogers who reactivated the archive of Livia Records and I hope you enjoy listening in so Dermot Rogers welcome to Harmonious World I'm excited to be talking to you about uh, Louis Stewart's album out on his own this remastered re re everythinged extended extended and yeah yeah, yeah. Well, thanks very much, Hilary. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. Right. So this seems to be a bit of a labour of love of yours. Tell me how it happened. Yeah, it is a labour of love. So so Livia Records was active originally from 77 to about 95. And then it kind of fizzled out and the founder died in 2005 and Louis Stewart died in 2016. So uh, how it happened was it was a lot, one of those lockdown conversations Uh you know, we all had extra time to spare. Uh, I'm a so I'm a mu- huge music fan. I'm a part-time DJ. I have a lot of experience in kind of digital publishing. I was chatting to a friend of mine about this particular album, saying this is the best Louis Stewart album of all, but also it's one of the best of its genre, like a solo jazz guitar, you know, album. There's a there doesn't there's not a lot of them, but for example, uh, Jim Jim uh, Joe Pass has done a few. Um, John Schofield has recently done one, actually. But anyway, I thought this is just an amazing album. And it's a shame that it's unavailable. And he's, he kind of jokingly said, well, why don't you find out where the masters are and stop giving out about it? And I just kind of scoffed at that. Right? Anyway, because of lockdown and because he'd spare time, about six or eight weeks later, I, the, thought, the thought came back into my mind. And I found out that Ger- Gerald Davis, who had originally set up the label, that his wife was still alive. So I gingerly composed an email and asked her and anyway long story short that email went to her which went to her son who lives in New Zealand 
who got back to me very quickly and we had a conversation about would you if it were possible be interested in a reissue project and they said yeah six weeks later i had a box of analog tapes crates of analog tapes been loaded into the back of my car from a lockup south of dublin uh thankfully dry this lockup and uh that it kind of uh, evolved piecemeal but it was a labor of love but there was a couple of key moments and one of those key moments was the, the actual discovery of the masters the next one was we sampled digitized some of those tapes and they were good um and there was a couple of others uh we got initial seed budget together we spoke to some journalists and other people in the musician community who would have known louis and the response from everybody was warm enthusiastic and highly supportive a key conversation i had with the guy who's the jazz correspondent for the irish times went something like if we did this would you be bothered reviewing a 46 year old record and he said and i'll give you the polite version of this he said <laughs> he said would i review it he said this is the ground zero of irish jazz recording i would write a feature so wow it's kind of like just grew like that and then we got photographs and documents and we got more and more anecdotes and it just built then we got more money got donors and got a couple of small grants and before we knew it it was like yeah we're doing this because you know there's no obstacles it's great yeah and and the, the fact that you've got the support of the family and yeah um you know uh, i mean it, He's one of those guys that nobody's ever heard of, but actually he's played he played with everybody, didn't he? Yeah. So so Louis, yeah. So, so Louis was a for a lot of people who didn't know who weren't jazz guitar fans or jazz aficionados. He uh, certainly in the seventies and eighties was regarded as one of the best jazz guitarists. Full stop. Um, he emerged from Ireland in the 70s having gone to Montreux. And by the way, the set he played on in Montreux in 1968 was the Bill Evans set that was turned into a live record, right? Oh, wow. So he was he was on a double bill with Bill Evans. Uh, so w when the, that recognition came from Montreux, he was quickly picked up by Benny Goodman and then Tubby Hayes and then Ronnie Scott. And he was in Ronnie Scott's band. He was in Ronnie's touring band and then the house band. So he played with everybody who came through Ronnie's. And, um, you know, he got he would have done a lot of work in jazz festivals like the Cork Jazz Festival, which is uh, the biggest jazz festival in, in Ireland and was one of the biggest in the UK. People used to hunt out Louis all the time. People would come and want to sit in with him all the time. So he he, play, he played a lot. He uh, he recorded over 70 albums in total, about 20 under his own name. So he, he had a pretty successful and consistent career i think that there was two two things that kept him below the radar one was he decided for family reasons he wanted to raise his family in ireland uh, and number two was all the labels with the exception of the albums he recorded with ronnie scott uh were on very small labels and therefore small labels come and go you know yeah. so not part of anyone's catalog um and he he, he probably worked more in europe and Australia, then he worked in the US. So, you know, during this project now, having conversations like I'm having with you people in the US, the feedback is, who is this guy? Louis Stewart, we never heard of him. And 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 they go, he's really good, but we never heard of him. And it's because he didn't he didn't do the US very much, you know.
no, no. Um, I had heard. I, I'm, I must have heard him because I was in and out of Ronnie Scott's through the 70s and 80s. So I must have heard him play at some point. And yeah. I uh, I was aware of him because of, of his connection to Tubby Hayes, yeah. who is sort of suddenly, finally getting to getting the recognition that he deserves. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, Ronnie Scott is is known for having the club, but, you know, he was also a, 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 a stalwart of the London jazz scene. He was a he was a yeah. player, you know, and yeah. and Tubby obviously didn't have the didn't have the the name of the club, but you know he's he's getting he's getting more respect now, which is really good. Yeah. So let's hope the same thing happens with uh, Louis. So tell me about the tracks on the album because they're they're amazing. I mean, his version of Blue Bosser is yeah. is incredible. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, it, yeah, and it's it is so it's the it's a combination of American songbook standards, you know, darn that dream, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and jazz standards, um, which are well known, like blue bossa. I mean, everybody plays blue bossa when yeah. they're out with their instrument, but then, uh, um, but also he at the time would have been playing quite new and contemporary tunes. So this Chick Corea, this Steve Swallow, this Charles Lloyd. Um, and there's an Irish traditional air, which is associated with uh, Count John McCormick, who was a kind of a Hiberno Irish classical jazz singer, or oh. a, a classical music singer. So it is, um, it's a, like there's nothing amazing in terms of the track selection. I suppose the biggest exception is I mo- she, she moves through the fair. Um, but it, it reflects what his repertoire was at the time. Now seems a good opportunity to play a little extract from Don That Dream. addition to this and all of the other previously released Olivia records there's also which was to our delight a ton of unreleased stuff which we're also working on and you can see and a ton of live material and you can see that there was a consistent thread you know like I'll remember April for example is on the solo album but it's also on an album with an Irish piano player called Noel Keelan which is going to be released in a few months time as he got older, he, he he was deemed by the younger musicians in Ireland to be conservative in his choice. He, he didn't like to play free. He stuck more or less to the same type of repertoire. Uh, you know, he did play some Coltrane. He did play some Wayne, uh, Wayne Shorter. Um, but he, he, he wasn't trying to, if you like, keep on the crest of the wave. He settled in, in what he was comfortable with. And and so, so Wes Montgomery, Jim Hall, all of those guys 
would have been his idols, Barney Castle, Joe Pass. I mean, that's that's where he fitted into that club, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's it's great that that these tunes are now and they the the recording, I mean it's it sounds like it was recorded yesterday. I know. You know, you know what? I actually heard a radio interview just a few days ago that nobody knew about. A community record, community radio station in Ireland had recorded an interview with Gerald Davis three years before he died. And in the interview, he explained how they recorded it. So he was recorded straight into the desk, right? And then there was mics that went out to the monitors in the studio. So the feed came from his guitar into the desk and out to the monitors in the studio, and they were mic'd. Uh, Ira Gittler reviewed the album when it first came out, and he said, the sound is so good, you can almost see the guitar coming up against the fabric of the speakers. And it is an incredibly clear and clean sound. And the, the advantage of, of remastering, all it did was enable uh, Michael Buckley, who, who whose studio did the, um, whose, whose father, by the way, played with Louis, you know, the, the, there's, ah. a, the, there's a Buckley dynasty in Irish jazz, uh, which is mainly saxophone players. A guy called Dick Buckley played with Louis and he had, he had two sons, Michael and, and Richie, and they both played with Louis at different times. Right. But anyway, so Michael mastered it. And he, he said all they were doing was making use of the available technology where they could get a slightly warmer sound and a slightly kind of broader sound. And he separated the um, rhythm and the lead a, a little bit further, you know, so yeah yeah you know, it's a beautiful record beautiful it record. really is you must be really proud of it yeah no i'm delighted um and i mean when i remember when i was talking about it to, to other people i was saying the definition of success for me is if we get this out right uh, and i guess uh, another definition of, of success is, is that we managed to rescue the archive because it just would have decayed um but now we've had great press, you know, nationally and internationally. We've got lots of radio play and and the sales, you know, I mean, it is a jazz record by by and it is re-released by a, a, a lace jazz musician have been pretty healthy, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, no, I'm, I'm delighted. I'm delighted and certainly given us the impetus to release more. We, we've got yeah. a Hall record coming out that Louis played. Uh, we're on and we've got lots more to come. You know, Brilliant. So, fabulous that's fantastic well um this is i think there's something about this that that means it's a uh you know if if you know somebody who's playing jazz guitar they've got to listen to this it's there's it's it's just it's just up there with with the greats isn't it i mean i think it you know and i think that you're right about the choice of tracks they're quite traditional and quite safe but they're not played in a safe way yes that's right that's right that's right. And and very uh, well-attuned guitar players have pointed out to me a few times where he has quoted people like Joe Pass and he's quoted other people in his right. solos, which he probably did all the time. Um, the other amazing thing is, and th- again, this is called out in the in that radio interview that I told you about. In fact, if you're interested, I can send you a link to it. So I'd love to hear that, yeah. Um, is that he recorded the rhythm tracks and the lead tracks in one day. He basically went out in kind of early afternoon and he laid down uh, like we put, we put out 19 tracks, which included two alt takes. But there are there are several other alt takes that we didn't use. Uh, so he recorded over 20 tracks um, and where he played rhythm, which was on 
just less than half of them. Yeah. He would lay down the rhythm. He would have played the lead, and in in, in some cases, done multiple takes of those in wow. one day. And, and and Gerald Davis said something like, "He turned around to me at nine o'clock at, at night and said, man, I'm done.' <laughs> 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 but it's amazing. Yeah, but, you know, it's that. I mean, it, it is it is one of those albums that." If it was freely available, and that's the whole objective of the project, if it was freely available and you had a friend, a, a nephew, somebody, a child who was interested in jazz and and or just jazz guitar, but I think anything in jazz, that you could safely buy them that record as their first jazz record and they yeah. would go, wow, because it's so accessible, so beautifully played. The tracks are short. Nobody's going to get bored by a 10-minute. Yeah. Know, so it's it's great, perfect. Yeah, perfect. absolutely. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. Thank you. Thanks very much. It's been my Brilliant. pleasure. enjoyed listening to that conversation with Dermot and I hope you're enjoying listening to this version of Wave which is Louis Stewart and especially if you're listening to it in stereo which uh, I've got my podcast headphones on and this just sounds wonderful with the two guitars in one in each ear it's lovely thank you for joining me once more for Harmonious World Please do stay listening to a little bit more of Wave and I look forward to speaking to you next time when I've got another exciting guest. I have some great guests lined up and some already in the bag that I think you're going to enjoy listening to. Thanks for joining me once more on Harmonious World. Bye. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Harmonious World. My name is Hilary Seabrook and it's a great delight to bring this series of discussions with musicians and composers and writers and all sorts of people to you. Obviously there's no point in having a podcast if people aren't listening and I'm very grateful to my listeners for doing so. 
Thanks also to Joe English for composing and performing this new theme tune. So wherever you get your podcast, you can leave a review. You can share this with your friends and family, either as a link or on social media and that sort of thing. I'd be really grateful for that. Don't forget that you can subscribe now. There's a link wherever you get your podcasts. So have a great week and please remember why I started this, which is just to try and make the world a little more harmonious. Thanks for listening to Harmonious World. Thank you.